for our great scripture reading and also for our reading this morning of Advent. So uh, we, are, we are delighted that the Lord's peace has fallen fresh upon us in this day. And it's not by accident that any of us are here today. And so now we will turn our attention and our affection toward the First uh, Corinthians today. We'll, we'll pick back up there from a few weeks ago and we'll pick up with the theme that Christ of uh, the wisdom and power uh, this morning. So I, I ask right now that you pray for me as I pray for us and uh, we'll pray. We'll read the scripture together. We'll stand while we do that. And uh, then I'll try to preach and uh, make some things clear to you all and sit down this morning. Amen. Amen. So uh, let, let me lead us in prayer. Y'all can go ahead and stand up. Y'all gonna stand up. Hear the word of the Lord. First Corinthians. Chapter one, I'll be reading verses 18 to 31 this morning. And the word of the Lord reads as follows. For the word of the cross is folly to to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written in Isaiah, as our sister just read Isaiah, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will throw it. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you all were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let us pray. God, our Father, I can't speak unless you speak through me. Hearts won't be moved unless you move them. People won't come to know you unless you enlighten them and break down strongholds. People won't be focused unless you block out all distractions. 
People won't appreciate the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ, unless you make their sins clear to them. People won't love you unless they see exactly how much we have hated you. People won't come running to you unless they see how much the world really hates and despises them. People won't exalt you unless we see how big you are. So, Father, let me be clear in this moment. Let me be concise in this moment. Let me be patient even with myself in this moment to preach your son, Jesus Christ, crucified, risen. Let me preach your wisdom, exalted, and men low and despised and dust as we are. Father, hide me behind your cross. Let me not be seen or heard. But let me make you as big as you actually are. This in our prayers we ask in your son, Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You all may be seated. I'd like to just move forward. Again, I'll quickly take the context of what I'll be preaching from this morning in 1 Corinthians. And I'll ask some rhetorical questions. I'll answer a few questions. I'll lay out five points, five takeaways, five points of application from us to walk with. And then I will spend about two or three minutes on each one of these verses. Then I'll sit down. And I pray even as I preach now that you would come to know the Lord. Jesus Christ. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why was the text written? Right? No, again, what what made God use Paul's hand to write this letter? This This is not just... Paul's words these are God's words and I think we need to be reminded of that every single week lest we treat this word like a text message or a blog we we have to know that that this is God's letter to us not some haphazard construction of words and letters and paraphrases and phrases it's not that at all it's an intricate love letter pointed directly at the hearts of men why was the text written from Paul to the church in Corinth where he had to address both some theological and some moral issues And although we're in the 21st century, we still deal with theological and moral issues today. So what do we have in common? What do we have in common with the the readers and the recipients of these letters? Just like us, the people who live in Corinth, we live in a city that is given over time and time again. All you have to do is look at the news to see what our city is given over to. Preachers and pastors of certain churches proclaiming a false gospel. Schools excluding this, but including this. Workplaces excluding this, but including this. We live in a day and an age where Jesus Christ wants to be smothered. Much like the people dealt with in Corinth. So I'm going to lay out five points of application from this text. Because that's what the preach world is for. It's not just that you sit and get, you sit and get, and then you move. So here's my first point. Listen to the Lord when he speaks. It's for my note takers. I'm giving it to you now. Number one, listen to the Lord when he speaks. Number two, choose a side to stand on. Number one, listen when he speaks because he is speaking. We'll see that in 18 and 19. Choose a side to stand on. We'll see that in 21 and 22. Application point number three. Preach Christ. (laughs) To preach is to proclaim. Now what this is, is an office. A pastor is an office. A preacher is to proclaim the word of God. You're not off the hook because the Lord hasn't called you to stand here. 
You're not off the hook. We all have spiritual gifts. We've gone through those inventories. We all have spiritual gifts as seen in Romans and Corinthians. So our job and our responsibility with our gifts that he has given us is to, application point number three, preach Jesus Christ. You see that in verse 23. Verse 28, application point number four, consider your calling. I'm going to ask you to consider where you really were when Jesus Christ called you. It's verse 28. Application point number five. Boast in the Lord. We see that in in, in verse 31. Boast in the Lord. We serve a father who is triune, a Godhead who is triune. We'll see the intricate work of the father here. We'll hear the father speak. We'll, we'll We'll hear the cross speak in these verses. And we'll also see the work of the Holy Spirit through this passage. And my prayer and my and my desire right now is that you experience the work of the Holy Spirit in your life right now. So as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit will be will be talking to you. Right? Right? It's, it's your conscience. It's, it's the working of your conscience. And when he speaks, you write. When he speaks, you move. It was funny in JR's, uh, in, in, in his testimony, he said he, f- he felt like Pastor Nate every single Sunday was preaching and talking with him. And if you listen, God the Father will talk to you. Just don't think yourself out of, he's not talking to you. He is talking to you. And no, I have not been been disclosed to everybody's private and personal lives, but the Holy Spirit knows. The Lord knows. So don't ignore him when he's talking to you. Paul says, the Christ is the wisdom and the power. And we see in verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. The cross speaks. (laughs) It's speaking. And it has something to say. The word of the cross, it speaks. But here's, so so it's two things that are happening here. As the cross speaks, those who are perishing see it as foolishness. Everything that the cross has to say, they see it as foolish. Right? But, but everything the cross has to say, those who are being saved, we see it as power. And so we're going to fall on one or two sides as you work at application point number three and proclaim Jesus Christ. You're, you're going to see you're going to see God's words fall on one or two sides. Are the people going to say that's stupid and I don't want to hear it? Are they going to say, wow, how amazing. What is he saying? As the cross speaks, what is he saying? Come to me, all who are heavy laden. Like that's what he's saying. Like he didn't die just to die. He died on the cross and said, "Come to me." So the cross is is speaking, but arrogance and pridefulness, arrogance and pridefulness makes the make the foolishness of people say, "I don't need that." If a man wants to die like that, I don't need that. Give me something stronger than that. And, and, that, and that's what the Greeks and the Gentiles were dealing with in this local church because they desire, they, they love knowledge. They love signs. And, you know, and the writer said, look, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And that's the only sign you're getting. Verse 19, hear the Lord speak. <laughs> he says in verse 19, for as it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. That's Isaiah 29, 14, y'all. So God says, in, in a sense, line up all the wise people you know. Line them up. Line up all the discerning people you know. Line up all the common men you know, and I will destroy them. The knowledge is nothing to me. It is nothing to me. 
So we have to be very careful because the Lord God says, Here, here's the warning in this passage. Here's the warning. Either you're on my side or you're on the other side. And those on my side will, will be protected and preserved. Those on the other side will be destroyed. Listen to the Lord when he speaks. Application point number one. So now your question is, he's not, he's not, like, he's not like walking through the walls like he did in John when he came back. So how do I hear him speak? In the last days I have spoken through my son, says his word. How do we hear the word of the Lord? By reading our Bibles daily. If you want to hear from him, you have to read your Bible. Don't be disillusioned and say, I'm just going to sit around and wait for the Lord to speak to me. I'm going to just pop up my Bible to some random place. Yes, he can do that, but he also works in systemic ways if you just open your Bible and read it daily. And you're never wondering, can, am I going to hear from the Lord in this day? Mika never wonders if I'm going to hear from her. Why? Because every morning I get up and I speak to her. Good morning, Mika. How are you? Sometimes I don't say it that nice, depending upon how long I was up. I'm like, hey, babe, thanks for getting the kids up and having breakfast set on the table already. I was up late last night. I'm going to eat my oatmeal and roll out. But we have these engagements in the morning. So the question is not, is Kevin going to speak to me in engagement? Say, because I already did. So if you want the Lord to speak to you, you have to open up your Bible. You have to open your Bible. If you're looking for a sign, open up your Bible. Open up your Bible. A great place to start is in your Sunday school lesson. If you need a Sunday school book, see Sister Perry or Pastor Jimmy up here. We'll get some up here and just join us for the Sunday school hour and read systematically through the Gospel Project with us as we talk about God's supremacy, Jesus Christ's death, raised, resurrection, and now we're working through Acts right now. Come join us. If you need something to read, if you want to listen to the Lord, read your Bible. You got to listen. So it's one thing to, to read it, there's another thing to actually do what it says. <laughs> I think we're of the new entertainment center generation. Where you get the entertainment center out of the box, you get whatever contraption out of the box, and you don't read the direction. You just start, you just dive right in. So I'm going to ignore that. I see the direction, but I'm going to ignore that. Trust me, it never works out well. It always works out better when you, when you read them. When you read the direction, you say, now, now what am I supposed to do? What comes first? What comes second? What comes? It, it always works out better that way. So you apply the things that the Bible says to apply. And then we have a great place to work through the application of them. And they're called small groups. <laughs> and so if you want to join us anytime through the week, you come, you say, now, how do I apply this passage to my life? And one of the pastors, or one of the, or somebody in the group, they say, well, here's how I'm applying it in my life. So you listen to the Lord's words and then you apply them to your life. That's all I have for 18 and 19. Let's look at verse 20. Now, here's these three like rhetorical questions that Paul's asking. Now, here's the deal because this is a letter written to people, okay? So as they're reading this letter, they would have been engaging emotionally with this letter, and I hope that you, you do that even now. He says, where is the one who is wise? And I would imagine that the reader begin to say, oh, they're probably on that hill down there discussing all the things that the wise people like to, just like to, like to discuss. And then he asks another question, where is the scribe? And I bet you the readers of the letter were probably saying, oh, I know exactly where I can find the scribes. The scribes are down there being smart in the king's palace. And then, I bet, then he says, where is the debater of this age? He says, oh, yeah, I know exactly where we can find the debaters of this age. Or again, he's right to real people reading a real letter and he's asking them questions and then he asks a fourth question the fourth question is very very important he says has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world hasn't he 
So although you can name where all those wise people are, hasn't God destroyed their knowledge and wisdom already? So I ask you now, like, where do you go to where you, where you think people are wise? Like, like, like what, what, what are you following on Facebook or the Internet or what app are you reading daily looking for God's wisdom? Like, well, what person or people are you running to in order to gain insight? My dear friend, I am here to tell you that the Lord God himself has destroyed their wisdom. He has. If you want the answers to life, you have to open up the Bible. Yes, God has given us gifted people within the body to expose the text. I'm not belittling that. What I'm belittling is the nonsense and the foolishness found on talk shows. Late night, morning, early, all that foolishness that we watch in order to gain information. It's not there. And if I watch talk shows, I could probably name a few. I think Ellen has one, right? Turn her off. Who else has one? Who? The real? Turn it off. The only real thing is found in the Bible. What else y'all watch? Oh, come on, listen. This, this is the moment. Hey, confess your sins. John 1. 1 John 1. Shout them on out. James, tell us, confess your sins one to another. What else y'all watch? Who? Steve Harvey. Turn him off. Like, what are you talking about, Steve? He makes some nice suits, but he talks foolishness the way he has the Bible sometimes. I'll say that publicly. He makes nice suits. He cannot rightfully handle the text. Who else? Oprah, turn her off. Who else? Who? Whitney Wish. Like, oh my God, I didn't want to say that loud. Turn her off. <laughs> Thank you. Turn them off. We will often say we don't have time enough to read our Bibles, but we do have time to engage foolishness after foolishness after foolishness with these talk show hosts. We know more about their lives than we do about the life of Jesus. Why? Because we're intimately involved with them. Where is the wise? They are not found on TV. That's a popularity contest, saints. Where is the scribe? I'm not talking about godly brothers writing godly things for the ERLC and TGC. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the foolishness that you constantly involve your mind to. Where are they? Line them up, we'll burn them up. If you have a question about it, uh, you just want to text me. Hey, what do you think about this? Uh, and I'll look at it, I'll watch it, I'll read it, and we can, we can work through it together. 502-320-6433. I'm going to leave you without excuse. That's what First Corinthians, that's what he says. Like, we, we are without excuse. If you had a question, I'll answer it. 502-320-6433. And if I don't answer, because usually when I go home from work, I turn my phone off. Y'all be tripping. Text Mika, 502-320-3131, all right? <laughs> Where are they, saints? So here's the deal. Here's verse 21. Here's verse 21. It says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through his wisdom. So the world does not know God through its own wisdom. You, you, you can't get to know God through your own wisdom. You can't, like, sit around in a circle with all your stupid friends and expect to know God. I don't care how many group text messages you got going on. If the text is not in the text message, you're lost. You're lost. 
Our girls, let's just get together. Fellas, let's just get together and talk about life. That's stupid. Unless the Bible is open in front of you. It's senseless. It's senseless. Please. But it pleased God, second half of verse 21, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. <laughs> so it's the foolishness of this very moment that's going to save your life. That's what's going to save your life. It's not your favorite talk show, your favorite show. It's not going to save your life. This moment right here is what saved life. This is where you get saved. In this engagement right here, the Lord himself opens up your mind so that you can see and receive him. It's not through your friends. Verse 22. Listen to the demand. This, this is your own heart's demand. So now I want to I I push you hard on the, on the Jews and the Greeks. This is all of our demand. Verse 22 says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek, seek wisdom. Like, ain't that us? Just, just confess it in your own heart right now. You've asked the Lord, show me a sign. <laughs> I mean, I have. I have. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. What? <laughs> for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. Haven't we all been on this excursion to seek wisdom? I just want to know more. I'm not talking about the, 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 your, your job demanding you go to a training. Don't go in and say, my pastor told me I ain't got to do this because I ain't trying to see. No, no, I'm not saying that. If they tell you to go, go. Okay? You, 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 you need to pay your bills and let's be sensible like Jimmy Butt said in Sunday school earlier this morning. Right, right. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is this constant desire to engage the foolish things of the world in order to make sense of what has already been made sense of, which is Jesus Christ. Don't do it. But to those are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom. That's verse 24. Verse 25 says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man. So that's now we're dealing with this whole with this whole deal of picking a side and choosing a side to stand on. Like, where are you going to stand? Saints? Are you, are you going to stand on, on, on God's side where he is saying, I am stronger, I am wiser than everybody else? Are you want to be on the other side? Because there's an end to the foolish people. If we, if we go back up, we, we see the end. It says, I will destroy them. I will destroy them. Application point number one, listen to the Lord when he speaks and apply what he's telling you to do. Point number two, choose either to stand with the Lord or with the debaters, the wise, and the scribes. There is no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Pick a side. Hear the word of the Lord. For consider your calling. In verse 26, consider your calling, brothers. Now, now this is huge. Because this causes each of us to think about where we were the moment that God called us. He tells them, listen, consider your calling. Not many of you all were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. So so there there are three categories that he lays out here. One is wisdom. One is powerful. The other is 
of nobility. So, so in short, Paul is saying you were a foolish, weak, undeserving person when Jesus Christ called you. That's the opposite of everything he says. You were not. You were not. You were not. Not many of you all were. So let's, let's think for a minute. And this is what I don't think we can reconsider enough. Consider where you were when he called you. Where were you? Were you sitting with the debaters and the wisdom and, and the wise folks and the scribes? I doubt it. Were you lost in your sin and despair? Probably so. That's what we all were when he, when he called us. Romans 5 tells us that. Consider your calling. And that's a sobering moment when you consider where you were. Like when you, when you stop lying to yourself, like don't, don't do that because it's just you and your brain right now. So you don't, have, you don't have to pretend like you were something that you're really not. When, when it's just you and, 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 your, and your own thoughts, consider where you were. Consider the sin that you loved so much. Consider that. Paul says, consider your calling. You were a weak fool. That's what he says. I ain't say that. I ain't make it up. I ain't make it up. That's what he says. You were a weak fool. Not deserving of anything. That's what you were. And so why do we preach Christ? <laughs> because when we were weak and foolish people and lost an outcast, he called us. He called us. And that's my application point, right? Right there. We preach Christ. JB said earlier in Sunday school, Jeremiah explains this morning where he said, it's like fire shut up in my bone. Like when he calls you, all you can do is talk about him. That's it. Like wherever you go. And so the evidence of your salvation is not how good you are. It's not what I'm saying. But, 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 but sometimes you just got to get an ooze and an inclination. You can smell smoke of his saving when, he's in, when, you're in, when, you, when, you're in, when I'm in your presence. It should be evident. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I just have to say something. We preach Christ. And we preach him crucified. And, and, and that's what bothers the, the wisdom and the knowledge of people. Because you say, why would you preach him crucified? Why would you preach a king hanging on a cross, broken, smashed, face distorted, thorns pushed into his head, spit on, beat on, mocked, dragging this preacher? Why would we preach him? We preach him because it saves us. Now the pushback may be, well, I can't preach him while I work. Okay. I hear that. Read Acts 3 and 4. Because, because the Bible says, should I obey you? Law, or should I obey God? And Peter and John said, I will obey God rather than man. We preach Christ. It's like fire shut up in our bones. We preach Christ. And we do that once we've considered our calling. Verse 27 says this. But God chose what is foolish in the world. To shame the wise. So it's okay if, if he called you and you were a fool. <laughs> right? So don't let the arrogance boast of me heart say, I wasn't a fool when he called me. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's a good thing because it said God chose. Now, now we see we see God choosing three times here, and, and that's gonna lay lay in on my fifth application point. God chose, God chose, God chose in the next few verses. God chose you. You did not choose yourself. You didn't choose yourself. 
and he, and he picks you out of millions and billions and trillions of people. He says, I want you, my beloved daughter. I want you, my beloved son. I choose you. Keep it real, saints. Would you have chosen you? Would you have chosen you? Like if you were lining up for a team, whatever, a game, a meeting, a job, would you have chosen you? No. I won't choose me now. Outside of sustaining powerful work of God. Consider your calling. But God, hear this out. Hear this out. This is why no man can boast. No man can boast because no man chose himself. Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 27. But God chose what is foolish to shame the wise. God chose the weak. In the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. He chose you to destroy things that are set up. He chose you to destroy false idols. He chose you to, 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 to mock and mimic those who, 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 who are fancied on false worship. He chose you for his work. He didn't choose you to stay into yourself. God chose. God chose. God chose. Do you hear him saying that? And now Paul is reminding his readers, God chose you. <laughs> God chose you. Maybe, maybe that part, because they, they were living during a wicked time now. So maybe that employer didn't choose you. Right? Maybe they don't want you working for them. But God chose you. Maybe that guy didn't choose you. But God chose you. Right, right. We, we got to deal with it. This is what he's saying, telling them God chose you. He chose you. Here's the deal. We got, we got we, the Heisman Trophy thing was yesterday. I don't know who won, but I think it was yesterday. And here, here, here are all these guys. They get, they get one vote and they get to pick on who they want to be the winner, right? You get sports teams when it's time for, 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 the, for, them, for them to draft players. You get all these players. You get all these college hopefuls lined up. You know, they're, they're work out. They're exercising. They're all this stuff. Praying, hoping, desiring to be chosen. And you know what? Most of them don't get chosen. This is a fact. It's a quantitative fact. We can go prove how many people line up for the draft and how many get chosen. But that's not the case with us. It's not the case. He's calling you right now. God chooses. So what does that mean? If you think yourself a fool, God can use you. If you think yourself, if you think you're weak, God can use you. If you think you're displeased and you're broken and battered, God can still choose and use you. Listen to what Paul is telling his readers in Corinth. And I'm telling you the thing right now. God, he wants you. He wants you. He wants you. Want you. Point number one. Listen to the Lord when he speaks. That's what I want you to do. How do we hear him speak by reading his word? Application point number two. Choose to stand on the side. Me and KJ were having a conversation in the truck last night. He was like, Mr. Daddy, tell me about the end times. Like, yeah. Jesus like, why is he going to be bloody when he comes back? And what's, what's with the robe dipped in blood? And just talk about the white horse. And oh, my heart just overflowed with joy. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe he wants to talk about these things right now. Thanks for his mother and his Sunday school teachers, especially his mother, who has spent countless hours praying for him and discipling him. That's the importance of good conversation and turning off nonsense. Because Kevin and I had this conversation last night about Jesus Christ returning. My point number two, choose the side to stand on because when he comes back, when he comes back, he's not coming back as a lamb. He's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. 
Come back as a lion. And Kev, I was like, Kev, <laughs> we talking, we having, I'm like, didn't ask you a question. He's like, yeah, Gabby. I'm like, cool. <laughs> and we went back to listening to Shaolin. Listen to good music too. Who's them? Uh, we talk about stupid people y'all listen to. Probably need to line them up too. I can give y'all some good music to listen to as well too for your kids. There's no good Christian rap. Yes, it is. There's no good Christian music. Yes, it is. We need to call out artists. We can do that later on. Turn them off. Application point number three. We preach Christ. Wherever we are. See, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, remain where he's called you. He's called you to an area. He called you out of something into his marvelous grace. You don't have to switch jobs when he calls you. You, you may have to if you were doing something that was illegal. <laughs> Let me clear that up. <laughs> Let me clear that up. If you're doing something illegal, you may have to switch jobs. Amen. All right. But if, you, but if you're working a job where you can like turn in a form to the IRS, <laughs> You don't have to stop what it is you're doing. We preach Christ right in those areas. So we do. Application point number four. I'm asking you just to consider your calling, saints. It's okay to confess your foolishness to yourself. And it's also okay for you to confess that to other people as well, too. You were not all that when he called you. I don't care what you look like then. I don't care what you look like now. You are dust. You're dust. A fist full of air is what you are. That's what you are. Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 29. I'll read verse 28 to 29 makes more sense. And then we'll, we'll, we'll hit 29, 30 and 31 and we'll be, we'll be done. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So he chooses the lowly and the foolish so that no human being is boasting. There's nothing you can say when God chose you except for God chose me. There's nothing you can say other than that. Verse 30 says, and because of him, you are in Christ. So God chose you and because of him, you are in Christ. So he takes you out of mess and then he puts you in Christ. And so now, that's so now imagine, imagine the foolishness that is taking place on the outside. And now, and now here, here it is. You, you used to be exposed, but now you're not exposed. So all of the chaos and the storm still happen. You're now in Christ. So he takes you out, puts you in Christ, and God has done all of that. No human being can boast. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, is what bothers the scribes and the wise and the debaters. Because you can't out-debate a calling. You can't explain it. I can't explain me. I can't do it. But my only explanation is Jesus Christ called me. I think about my dead friends and the fact, some of y'all know this, we used to do the exact same thing, exact same places, same corner stores, same school, same school bus, and he called me. He chose me. Nothing that I've done. Same thing for you, saints. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. Three times he said it. Chose, chose, chose. He chose you so that no human being can boast. That's my fifth application point. Boast in the Lord. We boast in him. Hear the word of the Lord. We're in Jesus Christ. Who became to us. Here's what he became. Three things he, he became to us. He became this. Righteousness. 
So we're in his righteousness. We're in right standing with God when we're in him. You just kind of get ushered into his presence and sanctification. This is constant process. We talked about it a few weeks ago. You know, it's, it's already, but not yet. We're still working towards it, but it's already complete. And then redemption. <laughs> we get redeemed. We get redeemed. Like, so you don't, you don't get redeemed for the things that you've done. You don't get redeemed for the work that you accomplished. You get redeemed with the price of Jesus Christ's blood. That's what redeems you. And who are you being redeemed to? You've been redeemed to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God the Father, at the footstool of heaven. And he says, not because of us, but he says to you, well done. And then you look at Revelation 4 and you say, like, why are you telling me well done? I haven't done anything. And then we take off crowns and we begin to cast them at the Lord's feet and we praise and we worship him. Because you've done nothing. You've done nothing. Boast in the Lord. Verse 31 says, so that as it is written, this loosely translated version here from Jeremiah, let the one who boasts Boast in the Lord. So what does it look like, saints? I've asked you to consider your calling. I've asked you to preach Christ. I've asked you to choose a sign to stand on. I've asked you to, to listen to the word. I'm going to get some clear application points with that. Hopefully we can work that out. But what does it look like to boast in the Lord? What does that, what does that mean? It looks like when people give you any acc- accolades, you say, it is only because of the Lord. And that's not cliche to say that. <laughs> it's not cliche to say it was the Lord. Now we have to watch our heart motive and our tone when we say that. We have to be sincere and serious when we say that. But it is okay when people tell you anything, it is only because of the Lord. Nothing that I've done, I boast in Him. And we can boast in Him giving us people and places and things, but we boast in Him. Like it's him who used basketball coaches and teachers to save me. It was him. They didn't do that just because they loved me so much. They did that because the Lord provoked them unto righteousness and the good deeds on my behalf. So I ask you, saints, as we close, consider your calling and boast in the Lord. The question may be now, like, why would we want to do that? I alluded to it earlier, but I want to make the gospel very explicit here. Why do we preach Christ? We preach Jesus Christ. What is all this about? Because he died for you. He died for you. He laid down his life for you. Hey, sometimes you can't even find somebody to run to the store for you. Y'all have been around long enough, right? You're like, hey, I need you to go to the store. They're like, I can't do that. I need you to come pick me up my car. Stuff. I can't do that. I need you to loan me $5. I can't do that. But he died for you. You. And me. But not only did he die, he got up. He got up. And when he got up, he declared all power in his hands. And now we get to run around and say, hey, we're in Christ. We're in him. He is ours. And we are his. Christ, you all, is the wisdom and the power. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you for this day.